All right. But this week, we are on this idea of feed or feeding. And we're going to look at this wonderful portion of Scripture. And it's going to be a blast. And then we're going to play a game. And by we're going to play a game, I mean one of you gets to play a game while the rest of us laugh. Yay! Um, and then we'll continue on with some more Scripture stuff. But we're going to jump right here to John chapter 21. Now, before I begin reading this, I want to help you understand of what's going on. Now, if you were in church this last Sunday, if you're any kind of around church this last Sunday, it was a big deal. It's kind of the biggest, one of the biggest holidays that Christians celebrate called Easter. If you were unaware of that, I'm so sorry, but last Sunday was Easter. Now, what's taking place here in John chapter 21 is after Easter. So Jesus has already died on the cross, which by the way, that's what Easter is about. If you didn't know that, that's what Easter is, dying on the cross. Actually, that's not true. Good Friday is dying on the cross. Easter is coming back to life. It doesn't matter if he died. It makes more sense when he rose. All right. Who cares if he died? Because he rose back from the dead, that's a big deal. If you have met somebody else that has come back from the dead, please let us know. Uh, we would like to have a conversation with them. But this is after Jesus rose from the dead, and he's appeared to the disciples, which would be freaky. It's funny that we're talking about this on 420. I think that's for hilarious. <laughs> Because um, a lot of people thought that the disciples were on drugs at some point in time, but they were not. So this is, okay, they might have been before Jesus, y'all. They were fishermen. They didn't care uh, for most of them. But at this point in time, Jesus is talking to this guy named Simon. Now, Simon, you probably know of his name also is Peter. Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. So you'll see it sometimes. It says Simon. Right here it says Simon Peter. It's the same person. So in case that's confusing, I apologize. But this is after Jesus died and was resurrected. And he's chilling with his homies. And he has this conversation. When they had all finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was but hurt. <laughs> um, that's actually the real Greek. That's how it's translated. <laughs> because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went... Where you wanted, but when you were old, you were you will still stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you, lead you to where you are not, where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me." Consequently, those are the first words that Jesus ever said to Peter. Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who went back against Jesus at supper. Thank you, John, for talking about yourself. Third person. <laughs> Lord, uh, who was, whatever. Okay, and down here at the bottom line. Then Peter saw him. So Peter saw John. John was the youngest disciple. And John, for, for whatever reason, never refers to himself in his book as John. It's always the one that Jesus loved. Which is, he was, he was very humble. He was very proud of that. <laughs> okay, that, that, may be a little, that may be too harsh. Anyway, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What's going on? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. 
other words, Jesus is saying, shut up, Peter, and do what I told you to do. It's kind of that idea. But three times, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And three times, Peter goes, yes, Lord, you know this. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep, then take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. He says the same thing three times, then, then do what I'm asking you to do, then feed my sheep. This is not an option of helping other people find Jesus if you have found Jesus. Now, some of you in this room may have experienced a Christian or somebody that says they love the Lord. And as soon as you experience them, you're like, I don't care who your Jesus is because you suck. I have been that person. I have treated people that way. But... By the grace of God, he still allows me to do this thing and help other people find and follow Jesus. Here's what's fascinating. Jesus does this three times. Now, if you know the story of Easter, you also know that Peter denied Jesus three times. Not that he loved him. He denied that he even knew him. So three times, the conversation that happened before this conversation was at the Last Supper, and Jesus goes, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, I'm going to follow you even to death, because I'm an awesome dude. And Jesus goes, yeah, okay. Calm down, sunshine. Um, Also, in the original Greek. But before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. That was the last thing Jesus says to Peter that's recorded in the scripture that Jesus says to Peter before Jesus dies on the cross. And then Peter hides and runs away. And then Jesus comes back, and this is the first conversation. Now you can hopefully understand that third time when Jesus asks again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I don't know this because scripture doesn't explicitly say this. But I imagine in that moment, that overwhelm that happened when the rooster crowed after Peter denied Jesus three times, it all came rushing back in. And John could see that written all over his face. And that's why he wrote, Peter was hurt. This is not a, like he's, he's mad, like throwing a fit hurt. This is probably a deep heart crushing hurt. Like, dang, I failed. I failed miserably, and yet Jesus is still here asking me to feed his sheep, asking me to be a light, asking me to continue to go and reflect who Jesus is more than, more than Peter is. It's a beautiful thing. The how to guide to feeding. This is going to be so much fun. I'm excited about this. Some of you are like, this is ridiculous. I can't wait until this is over. All right, number one. Meet a physical need before you attempt to meet a spiritual one. Like, ridiculously practical. Ridiculously practical. In what we just read, John 21, 15, it says this, when they had finished eating. Then Jesus says these things. The idea behind what I'm speaking about right now, if you are wanting to go and be a light, if you are wanting to encourage somebody 
to find Jesus, if you are trying to get even somebody to like you, let's, let's take Jesus out of it for a moment. If every Wednesday night up here was like free pizza, you would be here every Wednesday night because it's free pizza because it's food. If I said, hey, every Wednesday night we're going to have ice cream. Okay, you're, most of your athletes like, I don't know about ice cream. We've got ice cream downstairs. Uh, the pizza downstairs does not count as pizza. But the ice cream, that ice cream's all right. We did that espresso ice cream from lunch today. That was a shit. Um, if you missed out, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Colin was so good to me. He got me a cup of espresso ice cream and then put coffee on top of it. Because, because Colin is awesome. <laughs> He showed up this time. He gets one a semester. It's good. <laughs> All right. When they had finished eating, here's the idea. You, feed, you meet a physical need, and then you can help. You can then feed a spiritual need. People, this is an old saying, people rarely care how much you know until they know how much you care. If I come up to you and I see something about you and I immediately judge your, based off of your appearance, your past, or I think this is what your future is going to look like, or this is what I hear you saying, or this is how I hear you acting, and I'm immediately like, you know what, Jesus wouldn't love that. If that's my first comment to you when we first met, you'd be like, who the crap are you? What in the world? What? What? I don't even know if I should say that. I won't say who it is. But Bree and I were dating. We were dating. And we were meeting one side of the family for the first time. And this one side of the family had a, had a young human being. I have to be really careful with how I say this. Because it's recorded. This one human being. The first time. Like, we were, were engaged. I think we were engaged. But the first time this younger human being that one of us is related to by blood, the first comment was something along the lines of, Do you know Jesus? I'm not kidding. Not even kidding you. Like, that's the first line. If that's how you open up your conversation and you're wondering why all your friends are weird, it's your fault. That is on you. Does it work? Maybe. You know what? The word of God says it doesn't return void. So I have to assume that God still works, the Bible says, in mysterious ways. You don't have to be, make it more mysterious. Okay? So stop it. But people rarely care how much you know until they know how much you care. If I sat down with you, if we had several meals together, if I ate with you in the calf, if I hang out with you on a Wednesday night, if we go afterwards and we play hacky sack... And you beam somebody else in the forehead. You're like, oh, we're best friends now. Um, then all of a sudden, like, you have this bond, this, this relationship, this, even, this, even if it's the beginning of a friendship, to where you can begin even joking around with each other. You can begin sharing life together. But then it is at that point that you can have real conversations. Not judgmental conversations, but real conversations that say, hey... Let's, let's have a conversation about Jesus. Man, this is, this is what God's been doing in my life. This is, this is what I've been reading. 
And it's been really standing out to me. Now, some of you are like, what are you talking about reading? I'm talking about the Bible. Like, I've been reading these wonderful clickbait <laughs> articles on Facebook about conspiracy theories. I want to tell you about them. That's just as weird as, do you know Jesus? Being the first thing you say to somebody. People want to know that you care about Jesus was an expert at this. He showed people that he cared about them long before he said, what you're doing is sin. And he only did that with religious people. I have to check something really fast because I don't want to go up to the next slide. I do need a volunteer, though. A volunteer that is okay with, you will be probably laughed at. Um, good news, you won't hear it. Yay! <laughs> All right, bro. Come here, buddy. Okay, Brock, here is the only rule. Somebody else in this room, you come over here, Sammy, you're going to face that way. You cannot, okay, you're going to have to face this way. Here's how I know this, because I know all of you, and you will find some sort of way to have a competitive edge, because most of you are athletes. And I know that there's a reflection of that in the glass, and so you're going to face that way. No, not this way, I don't want you to see this. That way, that way, bro, that way, stand right there. And this is what is going to happen. One of you is going to come up here, and you're going to stand in front of him, and you're going to try to describe what you see on the screen. And Brock, all you have to do is guess. Now, if, if you were the one describing what's on the screen, you cannot say what it is. You cannot mouth it. If you know sign language, you can use that because there's no way Brock knows sign language. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, without 
saying what that is. You cannot say what it is. I just need you to act it out. You can try to. Can I mouth it? You can tell him not without. You cannot say the word that it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh huh. Right now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Oh. Wait, just. Because the descriptions were terrible. Right, he also came here. <laughs> you cannot 
I'm not going to say you cannot, because again, the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It does not return void. But it is extremely difficult to feed someone else when you have nothing to give. You can tell somebody. You can try to describe who Jesus is. You can try to describe like even some of the stories. But if it's not something that's in here, and it's just something that's coming out of here, everybody's going to look at you and go... A donut? Is it green? I don't even know what else he said. But that was amazing. What? What? And they're going to look at you. Why? Because you have no... There's nothing here. There's nothing filled up in here that you can actually give to somebody. It's just this idea that you've heard of. Now, it's a good idea. And again, the word of God does not return void. So when you say scripture, when you use scripture, there's power in it. But if there's no power here, there's going to be very little power in your words. Because your actions aren't going to be able to show it either. Like, I'm going to show you that I care by trying to sort of describe to you something that I have no possession of. I do not physically have this thing that I'm trying to share with you. And we're talking about something as simple and as silly as a Twinkie. Like, one of the dumbest things... On the planet, and somehow they, I don't know why, but I guess Twinkies can like survive nuclear holocausts and stuff like that. Like, it's an amazing little treat. It's amazing. Seriously, though, we can talk about it. We're like, oh, these are kind of cool facts. And yet, we're like, that's easier for me to describe than who Jesus is because Jesus hasn't done anything in my life because I'm not paying attention. We don't spend time with Jesus. If you don't spend time with Jesus, you cannot. I cannot say cannot. If you don't spend time with Jesus, it's next to impossible to share that with somebody else. You can share ideas. Just like in your classes, when there's four of you together in a study session and nobody has a clue what you're talking about. And you're all trying to figure out what's on the test and none of you have a clue. At the end of that, you go and take the test and you all fail because none of you have any idea what you were talking about. I have this book. It's in a weird language. Yes, it's written in English, but I have no idea. I would – this is a fantastic – I think it's a great illustration. On that board over there is a bunch of gibberish. I don't even know what it's talking about. Like it's – I don't know, the, some sort of life cycle, something rather. And I was trying to read it before Kai Alpha tonight. I'm like, this is crazy. I can look at that and not have a clue what it is because, well, first off, I don't care. I don't care. I wasn't even able to read all of that. And the idea of me saying, well, you just need to read this. Why would you read this if the person saying it has no passion, isn't kind, isn't caring, hasn't shown you that he cares or she cares about you? If you are just as upset about Christians that don't reflect Jesus as, as I am, then we need to spend more time with Jesus. It's not, man, that guy needs to spend more time with Jesus. I need to reflect. I need to reflect Jesus better. And if I have this passion, this desire to see other people who are far from God come to know him, then I'm going to spend time in this word so that when given the opportunity, it's not, do you know Jesus? Um, because it's weird. But given the opportunity, somebody's going to go, I like this person. I'm willing to hang out with them. 
And then if you want, because you spent time with Jesus out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That verse is more than just negative things. That's positive things also. It will not come out of here naturally unless it's in here. We try to force this all the time. Like, let's read some verses and let's go tell people outside that Jesus loves them in John 3.16. Y'all are a bunch of weirdos. It might work. All right. The variable between entertaining and discipling is intentionally bringing food to the table for someone else to eat. If I actually care about you, if I care about you and who you are as a person, I'm going to intentionally have something here that I can bring to the table every time we meet. I can say, this is what God's been doing in my life. Man, have you, have you seen this or that? That's crazy. Man, what, what does the scripture say about that? What, is, what does Jesus have to say about that? Some of you, that's a foreign concept. What do you mean, what does Jesus say about that? That's okay. There's no condemnation in this room about that. That's why we have this book. That's why God gave us this book. is so that we can find out what he has to say. Now, some of you are like, oh, the Bible is so boring. Come to a small group. Keep coming to Chi Alpha, and hopefully I can show you how awesome and amazing this book is. And packed full of these awesome, amazing stories about who Jesus is and who Jesus can be in you and through you. All right, there's a drink again. Um, but Hebrews 5, 12 says this. There is much more we would like to say about this. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, man, we need to salvation. Um, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. <laughs> Dude, Paul, calm down, man. Why are you saying these things? Bro! Like, like, wow. If Hannah would have said this to Brock while he's got the headphones on, that would have been amazing. This is difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. <laughs> That's just, I, I don't have to preach after that. Uh, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic thing about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Dude, if you've never been offended by scripture, you're reading it wrong. It should offend each person in this room. Because it also says we are all sinners and we need a savior. If you are perfect and you have no sin in your life... It's okay, keep going to <laughs> Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Like Paul is spitting some fire. How would you like it? I will not do that, probably. Come up here like on a Wednesday night. This is so hard for me to explain because you all are so dull and you just don't listen anyway. <laughs> Next week, I'll be talking to three of you. All right. Because <laughs> everybody else left. To be able to feed others, you must find and fight for them. All three of these things, find, fight, and feed, it, they are not mutually exclusive. They have to all be inclusive. That's the idea of discipleship. 
If you remember from the verses we were reading right from the get-go, Peter literally has walked with Jesus for three years at this point. Yes, he denied him three times. But then Jesus says, hey, do you love me? Do you actually love me? And then Peter gets the opportunity three times to say, yes, Lord, you know I do. And three times Jesus goes, then, then do something about it. But he follows it up. He follows it up with this. He says, follow me. This is a daily practice. This is a daily thing. The moment you wake up, the moment you get around to life, some of you are like, it's about 10.30. Because I had to have 17 cups of coffee before this happens. That's fine. If you can't think, like in the morning, don't read your Bible probably. Because then you're going to read it and you're like, I don't have a clue what that said. <laughs> now I'm angry. <laughs> and I'm going to exude Christ by being mean to everybody I see today. Because I'm so tired I woke up early. But to be able to feed others, you must find and fight for them. Luke 6, 45, from the overthrow of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is an easy verse for us to talk about the bad things that come out of our mouth, the things that shouldn't come out of our mouth. And I'm not talking about cussing, okay? Let's get that off the table. Some of you, I would rather you just go ahead and cuss than be as ridiculously mean to other people that you are. Just say the words you want to say. Because what you're already saying is, is, is terrible. If there's hate coming out of your mouth, and I'm not talking like the stuff that's a hot-button issue in our politics today, but I'm talking like you just you can't stand that person. You can't be around that person because you're just like, oh, I hate them. If I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to pray that they get hit by a Mack truck. Um, I've prayed that prayer, okay? I'm not judging you. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> But Jesus has to transform this. When he transforms this, it will automatically transform this. Yeah, that's good. The words that come out of my mouth, they are powerful. The words that you say are ridiculously powerful. You are created in the image of God. How did God literally create everything? He didn't use his hands. He used his voice. He spoke things into existence. With Christ, you have that same power. What else is scary? Without Christ, you still have that same power of life and death coming out of your mouth. It doesn't just go away because you don't love Jesus. You still have that power. That's really kind of scary. We cannot feed people Jesus if we are continually his I mean, I have been challenged on this idea, this topic. Maybe you've been paying attention, but the last three weeks we've talked at some point in time about this idea of daily devotion to Jesus, about daily spending time with Jesus. I am not telling you that you need to, well, I guess I better start Genesis and read the whole Bible this week. If you do that, it's awesome. I don't know how you're doing that since there's only like a week of classes left and you've probably got other projects you need to do, but woohoo for you. But there's all sorts of ways you can spend time with Jesus. Here's what that looks like. Whatever it is, when you're done, not when you're done, when you've walked away, your heart and your mind are still there. Or they're still with the worship music you were listening to. Or they're still with the theological book, 
which I can get you some cool theological books. It's not like theological sounds really boring. I can get you some books that are actually fun to read and challenging. They're exciting. I know it's crazy. They are out there. They do exist. <laughs> but when you walk away, when you aren't in Chi Alpha, when you don't have your Bible with you, most of you have it on your phone anyway, um, but when you aren't actively thinking about it, what are you actively thinking about? The majority of your thoughts throughout the day, where are they? Now, some of you are like, they're stressed out. I couldn't tell you. I've got 17 projects that are due next week. And however many papers and blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Well, then we need to talk about the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that comes from the presence of Jesus. That comes from spending time with Jesus. What if the next time... You really want to have a freak out because all this crap is due at the same time and you had all semester to do it, but you waited until the last minute. I know some of you are like, hey, whoa, whoa. Hey, talk to somebody else, please, not to me directly. You are dull and don't seem to listen. Um, <laughs> you are allowed to quote Paul to each other, but not to other people. Okay? You are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> but, okay. The center of the gospel is not about what you want, it's about who Christ is. This is, this is oftentimes where we get super confused because we think the gospel has something to do with being centered around me and all the cool things God has for me. If ever you're in that thought process, if ever you're in that vein of thinking that the gospel is about me, change it to we. The gospel is about we. Us. It is centered on Christ and his transforming power over all of us. Over the people that you love and the people that are really, really hard to love. His transforming power is for all. All. For all. Yes. You may have experienced a really big jerk of a Christian at some point in time. Here's what's wonderful. There are jerks that are Christians. There are also jerks that aren't Christians. I'm sorry about that. But guess what? You probably are either a jerk that is a Christian or a jerk that's not a Christian too. <laughs> but with Jesus, he can transform us. When the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart... May they be pleasing to God. I love that song. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. If my words and my thoughts are pleasing to God, then the people around you that are far from Jesus, that want nothing to do with him, may still want to hang out with you as a reflection of Jesus. The word Christian literally means Christ-like. Are you, if you're claiming that name, do your words, do your actions, where are your feet going? What, are is your, what are your hands doing? What are your eyes seeing? What is your mouth saying that does and does not reflect Jesus? Listen, everybody in this room, no matter how long you have or have not been serving Jesus, You've done a crappy job of reflecting Jesus at some point in time. I have done that. 
Paul knows this because I am spiritually dull and sometimes I don't listen. (laughs) But by the grace of God, he still reaches out to us. And even after we've denied him three times and cussed out a little girl, he says, follow me. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he says it again, even after all the screw-ups and mess-ups that Peter had literally just done just days before. This is around 40 days after the fact. So what in the world was Peter doing that entire time? Here's what's absolutely amazing. There's something that happens in this moment that completely transforms Peter's life. The next time we see a big thing about Peter is the day of Pentecost. And three Thousand people believe in Jesus in that one day. Yeah. Something amazing happens when we allow Jesus to move this. Because when Jesus moves and transforms our heart, it automatically transforms our mind and it transforms the words that come out of our mouth that will either bring life or death. 